We are so, the podcast of stories. That's what we're. We, we are maybe the podcast. alternate name. I don't know. And welcome to the Green Jet Ski Podcast. What the heck? That's right. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me, your humble robo producer from Mother Broadcasts and podcasts and sorts. Well, I'm excited about this particular show and adventure. Yes, it's an adventure because me and my soul sister, Callie Logan, she's my co-host for this show on a radio show that I did uh, on Brand X not too many months ago before I changed careers. I was introduced to this tremendous individual and uh, we quickly became great friends. And I just consider her the sister that I, I never had growing up. And so I could not think, Callie, of anybody I would rather do a podcast with on a regular basis than yourself. If people want to check, yeah, if people want to check out about you, you're a writer, you write, you're a senior writer actually for crosswalk.com, a U.S. history teacher and an author. So before we get to the show, let's talk about your new book because you have a book already out there, a book on the way. Tell us all about that. Yeah, I am so happy to be here because I, I, you know, that feeling is completely mutual. Just I love doing Christians in practice with you on the radio when we got to do I that, that last year. I do too. Well, but you know, I'm excited to see this grow. And you know, you and I both love movies so much and have such a, a deep passion and respect for cinema and for that craft and for how that has uh, really elongated itself into television now. So uh, I'm excited to, to be here and very honored, but I am a writer. Uh, my new book will be coming out in May. I just announced it about a week ago. I'm pretty excited about that. It's called The Wallflower That Bloomed. And it's a book that actually includes a whole lot of media uh, references from music to movies to pop culture and everything else. But it's really a book encouraging you in the blooming of all that you were made to be and who you actually are. It's taking off. It's it's leaving that mask in the jar by the door and not taking it with you. It's it's presenting your authentic self um, to the world and how to let yourself be that authentic self too. really blooming in that. And that's so important. And actually, it just kind of hit me right now. The The main topic for today we're going to be talking about is the series Loki, the Marvel studio show Loki. A lot of that with his character development is about being his authentic self, which he has honestly up until this point never been. Yeah. Well, and it's true. I mean, even when we were doing research on it, looking at who Loki was in Norse mythology. Uh, and I actually teach a class, which we actually went into one of the lectures was Norse mythology, sure enough. And so it was neat to do that. But, you know, Loki as a character in Norse mythology, and it carries over into Marvel, is kind of the the little G-god of mischief. And so it's his whole MO is deception, is mischief, is shape-shifting, is stuff like that. And so it's neat to see his character development, and we'll get into it today with the show, but seeing how he actually, where he starts and then where he ends as his true authentic self, which is really neat. People should check out your book, by the way. It is coming out. They can keep up to date, kellylogan.com. I know some tremendous endorsements that are going to be going along with that book. I'm not going to name names, but I think they're pretty cool people. You got to be careful not to name drop there. I'm not going to so. name drop. Not at all. Hint, hint. Uh, but before we start the show, I'm going to give a shout out to, if you heard that pretty cool bumper music coming into the show, which I think is very Loki-esque sounding, which is why we chose it. 
Uh, but there's an actor and a film composer. He's a martial artist. You can check him out at vincentsaint.com. If you're listening, man, I really appreciate you giving your blessing on us using your music. That track is called Hope Dies Last, and his name is Vincent Santa Maria. So he's got great works. We're going to use that track for a while, and because I think it's just very fitting of the show, Kelly. Yeah, totally agree. I love it. He did outstanding. Well, let's dive right in. So you and I, and I just found this out. I did not know you were a Loki fan until literally just a few weeks ago. And it made, I'm like, yes, we're just another reason why we're connected at the hip as brothers and sisters. And I got really excited. And then the finale came and we both watched it and we were just like, oh my God, this Mm -hmm. is the first topic we have to talk about for the green jet ski podcast. And I guess we have to explain the name here in just a minute, but I noticed something. If you watch the finale, it's called glorious purpose. And the character has really come a long way. Even since season one, season one, episode one, also Callie called glorious purpose, Mm -hmm. But, but the two titles mean something completely different. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's neat to look at it because, you know, what for just reviewers, we rewatched Loki, both Noah and I did. And it was neat to watch it because there were pieces I didn't realize, like the Loki that we are seeing through the beginning of the show onward. I had forgotten we're going back to what was it, 2011 Avengers? 20, 2011, 2012. Yeah. 2011, 2012, because it's the Loki with the Tesseract, right? Yep. So, you know, we get to end game and everything else 2019, but this is the Loki who stole the Tesseract and he removes himself from his divine timeline because in, you know, as we go through, through all the Marvel, how he's ultimately supposed to die is he's finally killed by Thanos and Endgame. By the way, not cool, Disney, not cool. <laughs> Didn't like and- No, but, you know, thinking about just where we're grabbing Loki from, because in that Avengers movie, he's at that point, he is kind of the quote unquote bad guy. He is the villain of the Avengers movie. And you know what's interesting? I know what I know what you're going to say, but I've never considered him. And a lot of that ties into the discussion today. I don't necessarily think he's ever been a villain. Yes, he's done some really bad, horrible things. And he even admits that through the course of the Loki series. He's misunderstood and he's coming from a place of loneliness where he really actually doesn't know how to cope. Well, and that's just it, you know, so looking at where he was, though, and then who he becomes is it's so captivating. And I I would arguably say out of all of the characters that Marvel has brought up, I think Loki has the most character development through his show. Uh, Amen. yeah, I mean, even looking, I don't know if you've also watched Falcon and Winter Soldier and all that. Yeah. But, you know, I don't even think they have as much character development. Not even Bucky, who, you know, we see him starting in World War II, and then we see him kind of this broken, trying to figure out who he is at like 96 years old. Um, but I don't think he even has that kind of character development because you see Loki where he has this plan where he wants his throne. And you see him in that episode one, and then you see how he ends up in the finale where he actually finally gets his throne, but it's done in sacrifice of himself. He does not want the throne at that point. No, he doesn't. He wants his friends to be able to stay alive. And I think even watching how he cannot and himself kill Sylvie, 
and you see, I, I am so curious because it was almost like a Groundhog Day effect um, in that final episode. It was, yeah. Where he's over and over and over living the same thing. And it just reminded me so much of the Bill Murray movie Groundhog Day where he's lived that day so many times. And I am curious because they don't give uh, maybe a, a length of span of it's in the TVA. So time doesn't pass in that same way, but what a human, what we would count as time. I'm so curious how long he was stuck in the loop first to get, uh, you know, timely ready to go down and try and do the loom thing. And then again, fighting Sylvie. Actually, I think I have an answer for that. I noticed he asked Ouroboros how long it would take for him to learn everything that Ouroboros knew about, you know, quantum physics and everything like that. And I believe he said somewhere around a couple hundred years. So okay. he's been stuck in that loop for a long time. Okay. That's because that's what I was thinking about. And I kept thinking about Groundhog Day where I've read it was anywhere between a year and 10 years that Bill Murray's character was stuck in Groundhog Day, reliving that same day over and over again. And you see his character development, of course, but I think it was a cool tie in just seeing yeah. you know, the, the length of time that it took Loki to become truly who he was actually meant to be, to step into that glorious purpose, his actual purpose in that. And he looked like he was about to cry as he stepped out that, those doors to pretty much break the timelines as they were and bring them into one new. Uh, I mean, it was a beautiful thing cinematically, but you could see the emotion on Tom Hiddleston's face. I mean, what a brilliant performance that he did right there at the end. Oh, my gosh. You want to talk about just if we take a moment, just Tom Hiddleston in general as an actor. Mind blowing. Favorites. I love him. Oh, he's he's outrageously talented. And it was neat too to see him interact with Owen Wilson because uh I don't know if you've seen Midnight in Paris, but that was a 2011 escapism flick. Um, but they were together because he played F. Scott Fitzgerald and Owen Wilson was kind of the main character Gill in that movie, but I kept thinking about tie-ins from that as well. Not just that they had that rapport of working together, but also how their characters in that alternate movie kind of not necessarily maybe played a role in the Loki show, but it definitely was in the same brand, I think I would say. Like it, it flowed really nicely. Yeah, it's it's interesting because even in the last episode, so he time slips back into season one, I think it's the first episode when him and Mobius are sitting down for the very first time, right mm -hmm. after he says he, you know, he still wants the throne and he's going to get his glorious purpose. And he has that really sentimental conversation with Mobius on what I should actually do. And the two of them play so well off each other. It's, it's just absolutely amazing to see Loki since the very first Avengers movie, I would say, other than Iron Man has had the greatest character development and it's been going back well over a decade that we've seen this transformation. Yeah. And he doesn't age. How does he not age? I, know, I want to know I, that. <laughs> I need his formula is all I skincare routine, something. Because <laughs> uh, with Tom Hiddleston, because I'm like, I understand Loki doesn't, you know, necessarily age naturally, but I'm like, Tom Hiddleston, what you doing, man? Like, it's amazing. Um, no, I, I totally agree with you. It was neat, too. Did you notice uh, in the final episode, 
when Mobius is sharing about uh, the timekeeper who was not able to zap the kid and Loki figures out that that was him. He was talking about himself. He wasn't talking about some other random one. Yeah, that was neat. Yeah, it was. Well, he knew his friend. The great thing I could say about the the greatest thing I could say about this show is even episodes that seem confusing at the time, Callie, as you are watching them by the finale, they all connect. There's literally I tried to find some. There's no plot holes. This thing is so beautifully written. And I could say if you're not a fan of the current Disney, the current Marvel product, watch this show anyway, because this shows you that they can actually come out with some pretty decent stuff. It gives me hope that they can actually start making some quality product again. Yeah. So, Noah, my question for you is compared to we're going to say post endgame, mm-hmm. um, where would you where would you say Loki really does a good job uh, post Endgame, and where do you think there could be room for improvement? Only talking Loki, not rest of the Marvel franchise. I think that it was both season one and season two were four stars. I think that, like I said, the writing, the characters, uh, they, they were all just, I want to see more of them, which I actually sent you an article today, and I'm super excited about it because it appears, let me get his name here. I want to get it right. And we'll put this uh, in the show notes just for those listening too. If you're if listening now, we will definitely put that there for you. Where is it? Oh, Michael Waldron. He is set now to be the writer of Avengers, the Kang Dynasty. Already was going to do the Secret Wars Avengers movie, but now he's doing the Kang Dynasty, which is interesting with all the Jonathan Majors news. Trial beginning. Don't know how that's going to turn out. But if you don't know the name Michael Waldron, he's actually the creator of the show Loki. And I think that's a very interesting twist. Now, the first thing my mind goes to is they've seen the success of the Loki series, Callie. And maybe they're going to give Tom Hiddleston a bigger part or maybe there wasn't a part at all. And now they're going to give him a part going forward in the next Avengers movie, which I'm really hoping for. That's what I had heard rumor of, is that he will appear later and his he's not would- stuck infinitely on that throne holding the timelines together. Well, if you know anything, because basically he becomes a Loki, the virgins called the God of stories. And -hmm. a lot of people are like, well, he's just going to sit there, hold the timelines together. If you look into it, he is one of the most powerful versions of Loki out there. That's not just all he does. He can actually go into the various timelines and do various things. So might actually be a really good protagonist to you know, the bad guy of Kang, who is, I think he's been great so far, personally. Yeah, no, I think so, too. I think it'll be interesting. I also think it's interesting just seeing some of the Norse tie-ins because, you know, Loki in the Norse mythology is actually very much uh, that of story as well. Um, There was one particular one I did with my students that I found very interesting, but he would kind of run the story, if you will. There was a particular Norse story where, Thor finds himself um, missing his hammer. Uh-huh. And so Loki, the guy who stole the hammer was like, well, you know, in order for you to this, that, and the other, you need to marry my daughter. So Loki, or no, 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 you have to marry 
my son. That's right. So Loki devises this entire plan where Thor is a quote unquote bride and they dress him up like a woman. And Loki is the bridesmaid. And Loki's the one pulling all the strings coming up with how the story ought to go. And then at the end of the story, they rescue the hammer. And, you know, of course, Thor doesn't have to marry the guy in this, that and the other. It seems like that's how it seems like that's how the Marvel comics anyway, that's how they kind of pulled off that in creating the God of Stories version of Loki. It seems like that's very similar. And that's exactly where I was going with it, what I was thinking, because I think they do a really nice job of that homage uh, to that people group and to really the oral history of their folklore, you know, and they do a nice job with that. And it's, it's neat to think of the infinite possibilities that you could do with that in our modern day tellings of stories and kind of hinging off some of that Norse mythology and stuff. So mm. I find that very fascinating. And I think they did, I think it was so spot on with the casting of Tom Hiddleston because ironically enough, he originally tried to be Thor. I know it's hilarious. Yeah. His, uh, that was originally what he went into audition for. And they were like, yeah, no, like you're blonde, but that kind of was the only thing that, you know, you hit the mark on there, but they loved him so much and they cast him as Loki. But I think, I don't think there could be a better Loki. I think he is so perfect and he is so comfortable in being that character as well. What's interesting is they came out with the Thor movies originally, Callie, and I liked them, don't get me wrong, but I was far more into Loki than I ever was Thor. And I kept mm -hmm. thinking to myself, it is going to be a crying shame if they do not develop a Loki project somewhere down the line. Then Endgame happened, killed Loki, and I was like, well, I guess there's that. I didn't think they were actually going to go down the comic route of, you know, Loki with the TVA that's straight from the comics and what a beautiful job they did. Oh, fantastic. I mean, it's so much fun. And, and, uh, Oh wait, we forgot to put why we have called this podcast, the green jet ski podcast. Well, Loki is the color green, by the way, you are listening to the green jet ski podcast. Loki's the color green. So there's the color green jet ski because Mobius has always wanted to ride jet skis. Heck, he used to sell them for a living. So why not call it the green jet ski podcast? And if you look at the logo close enough, what's kind of funny is we're supposed to be kind of riding like a sea of like uh, of film, but the film actually does kind of look like an alligator tail. So there's kind of a variant of Loki in the logo as well. Kind of exactly. Cool. So that was that was our hope and intent with it. Well, and I and I think it's great because I think what we'll be doing, we won't only be talking about Loki uh, in this podcast, but we wanted to celebrate that at first. And I, I think it's a lot of fun to to see all of the stories that we're going to cover that will come see? forward. We are so, the podcast of stories. That's what we're we, we maybe are the podcast. alternate name. I don't know. Uh, but Disney, that means keep making more Loki seasons, even though you said you only are doing two seasons. Make a Loki movie, make Avengers movie, put out merchandise. It's going to be great. <laughs> I totally agree. Well, you know, and I think it's recapturing something that I loved with Endgame. And, and even with Infinity War was what blew me away was Infinity War came out in 2018. I remember it was before, uh, you know, before COVID, it was before a lot of the stuff went with movie theaters changing so much. But I remember just how filled that theater was and how, I mean, it was, I think I got there an hour early to, to get the seat I wanted and how filled it was and how everybody was just left in shock of, well, how are they going to fix this? What's going to happen? And then Endgame comes and I have never seen one. I've never seen the movies that filled. 
I will tell you, wow, this just hit me. I cried like a baby when Endgame came out and one of my favorite actors, Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man sacrifices himself and, you know, the snap heard around the world, as I like to call it. Every time I've seen Endgame, I still ball like a little baby because I thought the character development for Iron Man, for Tony Stark, was perfection. I didn't think it could be touched. And up until Loki, nothing even came close. Season five, four and five, or not seasons, um, phase four and five. I thought it had been actually kind of weak up until yeah. up until a couple of the Marvel TV shows. WandaVision was very good. I enjoyed a little bit the... Uh, Falcon, and, no, um, help me out here. The What's the captain? Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed Moon Knight, but it wasn't, you know, excellent as far as characters go. Man, this has been the best thing since Endgame. Like, and I, I, when I Loki, totally agree. When Loki sacrifices himself at the end, I both times I've watched it, I have cried. Yeah, I, I know. I totally agree. Well, but what I love with Endgame was how all of the writers were so devoted. I mean, they, they rented this cabin and they all went and they spitballed ideas. And this was years before Endgame yep. on where they were going to end up. And I just remember going to the theater and seeing it. And I, I, there was a little joke around my friends because I couldn't stop crying. I cried so hard in the theater. And I will admit this in front of everybody that there were these 12 year old boys, um, a few rows down and they turn around and they start laughing at me because I was, I was crying that hard. Um, but for me, the reason I was crying was I, it changed what I thought was going to happen because what I thought would happen was Captain America, Steve Rogers as almost the Christ-like figure of the movie, of the franchise, I thought he was going to sacrifice himself. I thought he would be the one. I did too. I just, I figured I was like, no, Chris Evans isn't coming back after this. They're going to kill him. It's going to be this very like, you know, kind of almost a wrapping up of the first Avenger. I'm curious. What was the moment? What or was there a moment or was it literally when he snapped his fingers? But was there a moment? I asked you because there was for me where something happens in the movie and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's not going to be Cap. It's going to be it's going to be Tony. And like my eyes, when this moment hit, actually just kind of like I got really wide. And I was like, uh, don't let this happen. And of course, it happened. Was there a moment for you? You know, it's you hard remember? to say. I, I think for me, I still didn't. I didn't know. I kind of figured they would just leave Steve loose ended then kind of like almost like some, you know, he like almost a 90s kind of fade out where he like drives off into the sunset on a motorcycle. Something just very just like, all right, whatever, that's his ending. And like then you can pick him back up if you want to later. And maybe he picks up with Sharon or something. But when they have him go back and he ends up with Peggy and then I got way deep and I did all the research to see that it actually aligns perfectly yep. in the original sacred timeline. But that, you know, that he ended up with Peggy. Yeah. Well, but he ends up with Peggy and you actually see her husband's never pictured in any of the funeral stuff and any of the um, nursing home pics and stuff. And it makes sense her reaction with the dementia and Alzheimer's that how she reacts when she sees him again was probably how she reacted when he showed up at her door. And that's what made me cry was that he got the most unlikely to get a happy ending, got a happy ending. 
And for me, that was the shift of, whoa, you threw me off in the greatest way possible. But uh, oh, I for me, it was all it, it was all Tony. I don't want to lose Tony. I lost Tony. Uh, <laughs> and I thought it was going to be Cap too. And then there's the scene where Doctor Strange looks at Iron Man, looks at Tony Stark and holds up the one finger as in this is the one way I've seen all the millions of countless possibilities we win. And I'm like, oh, no. Like I knew at that point, Iron Man was what was done, but it was beautiful. It turned out great. But my point with bringing it up was that they did such a nice job with that. And then I in myself, I would have been satisfied if they didn't make another Marvel movie ever again, if that was it. Um, but it has not been until Loki that I feel like they have actually started to run with the quality again. Nothing's and, really well. The quality hasn't been there, Callie. Like I said, there's been some good projects. I wouldn't say outstanding projects and nothing's really connected like the first, you know, 20 plus movies did. Like it's all been kind of piecemealed together. And Loki has just kind of brought back that Marvel is a really good when it's good. Marvel is really good. Oh, it's the quality of it. And it's it's crazy to think about that at one time. What was it? It was I think Marvel was going to sell to Disney the rights for all of the characters for something like atrocious, like $10 million, except yep. for Spider-Man, who was had rights with Sony. And that was the only one they cared about because they didn't care about any of the other characters. And then you see what they have built it to be. Um, and it's it's so neat to see that. And so I am hopeful for the ongoing that they're going to do more of this quality. I think we're going in the right direction now that they're you know, they've got this guy who's going to be more head writer and stuff because he knows what he's doing. He knows what people want. And he he sees the value in telling a story that's not like something we've seen before. And how cool was it to have the Sylvie character as part of the the Loki show? Like, yeah, OK, Loki kind of has a crush on himself. I know some people might look into the whole social aspect. OK, it's a TV show. We're talking about variants. Don't get that deep into it. But you mentioned something in our show notes, which I, which I absolutely love. And you were kind of relating it to Adam and Eve, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, kind of my thought was the idea of, you know, we're going back to Genesis with this story, but how God puts Adam into a deep sleep and from his rib, he makes Eve, right? So he takes a rib from Adam to make Eve. Yep. So when he sees Eve, he says at last, and then he's like, you are bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And so I kind of relate that almost with Loki and Sylvie, where it's not a narcissist kind of love and adoration of himself, but more this kind of, oh my gosh, you know, almost a, a Bronte, whatever she and I are made of, it's the same because it's literal, but it's very you know, poetic. He's more me than I am. And I think he sees in Sylvie aspects of himself, one, that help him become more of who he wants to be and two aspects of himself that help him to fight. And when he won't kill her, I don't sense it as, Oh, I'm not willing to kill myself. I'm not willing to have suicide. I see it more as I see what she wants to do and I can't stop her from being her. And uh, there is kind of that branch off. And so I think they do a really nice job and there's kind of a, a lot Mentally, but I think people who are saying, oh, well, he's just in love with himself. I think they're just staying at surface level with that. No, it, it's actually very, very deep. And we have just got the the uh, the podcast warning here with uh, our recording. 
that we are about 10 minutes left in the show. I knew it was going to fly by. So the Green Jet Ski podcast will return. We'll probably talk a little bit more Loki in the uh, coming episodes, but this is it's not going to be the main focus. But, you know, it's the Green Jet Ski podcast, so we got to keep it green. The ultimate sacrifice. I want to hit on that. Loki has wanted to love and be loved since the very beginning. And if you take that original Thor movie, Callie, it's so true because you see him struggling with the fact that Thor has always gotten the you're inheriting the kingdom. It's always Thor. It's all about Thor. And then he kind of gets the pat on the back. He's loved. We get the pat on the back from Odin and, and from Thor. The love is there, but he's not being accepted like he wants to be. And that is what takes him down that villainous path that is misguided, even though I think in his heart, he's a completely different person. And he's actually the person we come to love in the Loki series. And you really see that's where the transformation is. It, I mean, you see the true heart of the character. Oh, fully. Well, and I don't think he's living under Odin anymore. I think a lot of the rest of his character, he feels so in the shadow of Thor. He feels so, you know, Odin's son, but he's no longer Odin's son in in this character development he actually just becomes who he is well when mobius is interviewing him and they're talking and they're showing video of of his life and you see how deeply it affects him especially when it's talking about costing him his mother's death like he genuinely cares Mm -hmm. oh fully and and you see that and so i i love how they took this. I, I love the story and I'm I'm very excited to see more. And I wanted to say too, um, for everybody listening, if there's a particular movie that is of interest that you'd like for us to go through, we always our DMs are open for sure. We would uh love to explore that more and yeah, uh, yeah let us back. know. So and, yeah. and you and maybe there's a part of Loki that we're not exploring here. I mean, we're just kind of spitballing right now as this is the pilot, the first episode. So if there's something about season one, season two, series as a whole that we missed you want us to dive deeper happy to do that as well yeah we're always open for for more stories from people so the the, the one thing that i wanted to to touch on too jonathan majors despite what he's going through i wanted more of him i loved the victor timely character i thought he was i definitely wanted more of him but even kind of when you get the uh final back and forth between loki and he who remains i wanted more of that they play so well off each other. Oh, fully. And I wanted more of that too. I wanted to see more like, how did, how did you, you know, basically uncover that there were all these branches? How did you, you know, cause they have that whole Miss Minutes gives that whole, like the timekeepers and this, that, and the other at the beginning in, in the pilot episode, but we don't actually find out how did he who remains actually come to do everything that he did. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I really would love even some sort of mini series, even if it was one, you know, or a, a movie maybe of how he came to do that, I think would be a really neat uh, branch, if you will, of Marvel to have. Now, I'm going to leave. We've got about six minutes left and you asked me a question. I want to ask you the same thing. So post Endgame, what did Loki alone so none of the other marvel movies what did loki alone do for you and the mcu did it give you hope did it uh, it's a flash in the pan we're not going to get more of this how did you feel going out of season two or even after the first season did you, did you say hey disney needs to do more of this 
honestly, it reignited me being a Marvel fan in general. Um, I really have kind of fallen off liking Marvel. You know, I kind of, they lost me. And and for for me, Marvel was a really big, um, you know, precious gem in my box for a long time. I was really, really, really kind of borderline obsessed with it. And, and then I fell off and it wasn't until Loki that I was like, you know what? I actually, okay, I'm going to give this a chance again. But I think what it gave me more hope for than anything beyond Marvel was that of the conglomerate that is Disney right now and kind of the monopoly that it is, it gave me hope that there is still hope that Disney can produce quality entertainment. Because I will say beyond Marvel, a lot of the Lucasfilm stuff has let me down. Um, A lot of the movies that have been produced recently from Disney, I find myself very underwhelmed. So Post-Loki, it's giving me hope that there are still good stories to be told at the hands of Disney. Yeah, and, and, and that's where it's like people say all Disney Star Wars is not good. Lucasfilm is fallen short. I, you know, I did not like the episode movies, Callie. Rogue One. And oh, fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, that Darth Vader hallway scene. I mean, I absolutely love that. I thought even Solo, a Star Wars story, I thought that was a, actually a pretty spectacular movie as well. And then Mandalorian was great up until last season. And now there's talk that Pedro Pascal might not be returning for season four. And if he doesn't, Disney, I'm telling you right now, love the Mandalorian, won't be watching. Got to get back, Pedro. Fair enough. Yeah. Yep. So I still think Disney can tell a good story. I think Loki gives us... I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say there's hope. So, well, uh, you know what? Uh, hope springs eternal, and that's what uh, you know. Good entertainment can, should be able to do that to us. It should be able to give us hope and give us something to relate to. I mean, I, I look at Loki as a character now, and I can say, you know what? If Loki can be redeemed, anybody can be redeemed. That's what I take out of that. I like that. Yep. I think that's yes. Well, with about three minutes left, Kelly, anything you want to leave the audience with besides, you know, they can always reach out to us through uh, our DMs, which we'll put in the description. I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm not on social media at the moment, uh, but that might be changing a little bit. But uh, what are your socials if people want to go ahead and uh, give you any comments or questions about this first episode until I uh, get up and running? Yeah, um, pretty much at Callie Logan across all the platforms. The only one that I'm not on is TikTok, but uh, that's C-A-L-L-Y and then Logan spelled traditionally. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to hear, you know, well, what are you guys thinking? What's your feedback? What's your stance on things? Did Loki speak to you in a different way? Was there an angle of something that took you by surprise? And my last question for the audience is if they were to make a, a movie or mini series based off one alternate variant to go into their story of what their timeline looked like, what variant would that be? Got to be Alligator Loki. Everybody well, wants mine. to see Alligator. But... Come on. No, I, I, I actually, to be a thousand percent honest, because he didn't get much screen time. And when I saw him in, in the in the promos, I'm like, I need more of that. Give me President Loki. You know, with the election coming up, and we're not going to get political on the show. Show me what Loki as a political figure would do. So I'm all about that. But that's what I want to hear the audience. I want to hear what they uh, what they would like to see made deeper, because I, I think there's an opportunity for at least a, a, a one a one off mini episode for fun 
kind of a what if situation for one of those, I think that would be a, a very good time. So. Well- well, Callie, thanks for uh, doing this initial pilot episode of Green Jet Ski Podcast. And I know we're going to be having a lot of fun on here talking TV oh, yes. and movies, maybe even a little bit of music and getting spiritual about it at, at times. Uh, this is something that has been on my prayer list and yours, and we're finally making it happen. So it's very exciting. For all of time, always. For all time, always. We'll see you next time, friend.